We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. And back again, our guy, Matt Brooks. Matt, how we doing? What up? I'm good. I'm good. Enjoying, uh, I had a nice little week week long getaway i guess it was maybe three four days so that was nice it was cool it was good to get away a little bit recharge uh got preseason starting tomorrow so that'll be fun nothing like you know the uh the big Rui hachimura kyrie irving <laughs> kevin durant face-off we've all been waiting for <laughs> matt did the sacrilegious thing of deleting twitter for a little bit i don't know how he did it, it i don't so I, nice. Uh, I'm looking forward to you might be in the Rui hachimura bandwagon give me troy brown jr baby i love this stuff uh. I want to see your feature, too. Yeah, Denny, I did, yeah. Look, it's going to... This is not a Wizards podcast. Don't tune out, guys. Don't tune out just yet. (laughs) We do have preseason this weekend, but today we are talking net season preview. Before we get into that, you can find us on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com and Blue Wire Pods. But, guys, it's an exciting season. This is probably the most hyped net season ever. You know, this is probably the most talented team they'll ever have. Before we kind of get into some of the other stuff... What do you guys think are the top storylines for this team? You can hit me with a few, and then we can kind of get back to some other ones. You talking about this week or just in general? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a lot of topics this week that aren't necessarily about the basketball going on. <laughs> I'll give you this. So so to, to not just start off on some, some gossip, whatever, um, I'll give you this. I think top storylines this year for me is going to be 
How does the pecking order look? I'm so curious to see how this looks. You know, you you have a team every year. I mean, especially look last year with the Lakers. Like, they're built differently than everybody else, and they continue to be built differently. And a lot of people didn't like it. They said, I, I was one of those people. I said, look, like, I don't I don't get what they're doing. I, I don't like the signings. They don't have any half-court scoring, all this stuff. Didn't matter. They ended up winning. The Nets are kind of that way this year. They're the team this year. I mean, granted, a lot of the teams, really, there, there hasn't been much, like, you know, uh, player movement this summer or, or or winter or whatever it is. Um, so it, it for the most part, most of the teams are coming in with the same general makeup. But for me with the Nets, I'm really curious to see what does the pecking order look like? Are they able to make this work with really a bunch of like guys that can create their own shots? And and how does that how does that work as we go further and further into the season? Yeah, I guess piggybacking off of that, it's sort of like how will Spencer and Karras acclimate to these new roles that they say that yep. they're totally in on, you know, Karras the new Jordan brand athlete joining some elite company there. Absolute massive congratulations to Nick's guy and all of our guy. We're massive Karras fans here at the Buzz. And I think with that as well, Matt, you know, I had a heap here, but to sort of focus and, and hone in on a couple, team chemistry and identity. I think both of those sort of go hand in hand. And Steve Nash, I think, you know, you, you were chatting about um, with him today. He alluded to that in terms of like, you know, there's going to be some growing pains and that sort of thing. You know, sort of offsetting any sort of, uh, you know, anxieties and apprehensions that I'm sure plenty of fans and, and Nets, you know, brass are, are like are probably thinking about. So I think that for me, you know, sort of sticks out. And then obviously there is, will Kyrie and KD stay healthy? Kyrie and the media, you know, there's a heap of different stuff. Steve Nash is the new head coach. You know, what if, what's going on with the defense? You know, will a trade happen? You know, I, don't, I think there are probably more storylines pertaining to the Brooklyn Nets than any other team in the association this season. Yeah, I think that's a fair argument, Jack, especially when you're getting back, you know, two of your best players. You know what I mean? And one of them being Kevin Durant, who hasn't played in, what, 18 months. So, like, I think, like Matt said, and like you said, Jack, the biggest storyline is how does everything come together? How does it fit? How does this talent work on the floor? And the person in charge of that is going to be Steve Nash. So I think one of the biggest storylines is, like, how does this coaching staff work out? You know, is the mm. inexperienced Steve Nash able to get the best out of this group? We all love Steve Nash and so far and what he's done, but he still has to prove it on the court and kind of get the best out of these guys. So, and I, I think like you said too, Jack, health is just a huge factor. Like KD, Kyrie, staying on the court is going to be huge, but also some of the other guys, like, you know, some of the other pieces, like even a guy like Joe Harris or Karis Avert or Spencer Dinwiddie, you want to see those guys stay on the floor, which is, you know, essentially a storyline for every team, especially with COVID this season. I was going to say COVID is going to be a big thing, really, that's going to judge a lot of this. So like, you know, we're going to hit, I don't know, there's going to be a team at some point, unless we get this vaccine rolled out, where it's going to be april and they're just not gonna have five of their best players because of covid like it, there's gonna be a team where that happens it's gonna really affect things and yep. um having guys in and out like that look injuries already make it tough enough you you got you miss a guy you know you have a guy miss time from injury that could be the difference even if it's you know not necessarily in the playoffs because you're missing that camaraderie that you're looking to build and all that stuff so for the nets like they are already a very new team as constructed. It's a lot of pieces that haven't really played together. You get hit by COVID or something along those lines, like you're you're losing yep. valuable time that you need, especially with elite. Again, as I mentioned before, a league that is in a position where most of these teams are coming back pretty much the same. That's important for them. So I like that point. Yeah, and COVID, just to clarify too, is like I heard Brian Windhorst bring this up on a podcast. He said if a guy tests positive for COVID, he might be out for 15 days. 
because he has to get all the negative tests. He has to recover. Oh. Then you also have to figure the conditioning to kind of get back in shape because you're not practicing for that week. So, I mean, like right. you said, Matt, if you're missing three of your best players for 15 days and this like shortened season, you could have, you know, seven losses on your schedule easy. Like yep. it's going to be pretty rough. I mean, we feel decent about the Nets given they have some nice depth compared to other teams. But like you said, the chemistry really isn't there. So this is a team that has to be extremely careful, especially given the location of New York City. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a that's a big one and probably one we could talk about for, for 45 minutes. But I wanted to shout out the people who I put this to Twitter, Nick. Where Colin Brady sort of say, what is our profile? Switching when teams want to run three, Kyrie and Joe, pick and roll, one five, Kyrie and DJ, two four, Karras and Prince. The various iterations make for a lot of different issues. Um, Daydreaming on Twitter said, you know, a couple of different things, but he sort of boiled down to, does Allen's epic learn rate continue to the point where his game really runs out? And B, do one of Toy and Prince or Rodion's breakout as a glue guy? I think that's a, a nice little yeah. point that probably, you know, yeah. uh, not people have, have considered uh, Bishop as well. Is there a situation where the Nets paid in winning Jared Allen? We alluded to that a little bit in the last pod. Mm. You know, Kyrie versus the media, Toy and Prince again. Uh, will Joe Harris bring back the fist pump celebration? <laughs> I'll say that for my OnlyFans stuff. And then we also had, you know, well, who's the odd man out in the huge guard rotation? Mm. Uh, and Sean Gross, will TLC average at least 20 points per game? And I said 30. And then the person after me, Dylan Pimentel, said 40. So uh, TLC in for a big season, according to Nets fans. Maybe in the G League, but not, that, not in the NBA. <laughs> that reminds me of our like of our our bubble our bubble uh, post game wrap ups where we're like, so TLC had twenty four, and we're just like, I don't even know what to say about this. Missed like three shots the entire game. Yeah. It's like, okay, guy, like who are you? <laughs> Good but, times. <laughs> the bubble was fun. It almost makes you forget about the other part of the season sometimes, or vice versa. But oh. I will just. It's Same. so weird going back and looking at clips because I'm like, do I even like talk about this stuff from like February? I'm like, I feel like the bubble is way more relevant. Yeah, it's like literally two teams. I mean, it's yeah, so, so it much is. different. Bizarre. But just jumping on that Prince and Rodion's point, I just had another storyline. I think player development and improvement, is that something we're going to see this season? Are guys going to take strides? They're going to be in smaller roles. So it's kind of like a questionable thing. I think last year we maybe th thought we'd see bigger jumps from some players and we didn't. Is that going to be the same case this season or is it going to work out in the opposite direction? Wouldn't it not? I think the answer, and I hate to bring this up, but I, I'm going to default to COVID. Like, yeah. honestly, I think a big thing is like, and, they've, and Nash has sort of tried to, lean towards this he doesn't want to just be like hey when we all get covid because like you obviously cannot say that <laughs> uh, but he's kind of like sort of made suggestions that hey there could be points where we're going to be playing a deeper rotation yeah. um and, and things like and things like that so i think it all depends like what does their health look like outside yeah. of even covid does that stuff matter and if that happens yeah like you're gonna i mean whenever nicholas claxton get out there he's gonna be playing a little bit um, you know, and plenty of other guys. Rody's a great example too. So it all kind of depends, right? It, it's on, it's on, uh, it's on forces that are outside of the Nets' control. Yeah, Jack. Any other storylines you got? Well, look, Rodion's quotes. If he's guarding Kyrie, if he's defending the way he guarded Kyrie Irving in that clip on the Brooklyn Nets Twitter page, uh, I'm not necessarily totally comfortable. <laughs> so Jared Allen, come on, my guy, you can block that shot from Kyrie with the left hand, please. He's not even doing any of these spin moves. I didn't think the defense from Jarrett was that bad on that play. But terrible, people, terrible. People were like flipping out on Twitter. They were like, oh, God, this is why he can't start. Just, oh, my God. <laughs> like, you guys know that Kyrie's finished over like literally every defender in the NBA. Yeah. Like, 
He did a great job of shading. I'm deleting this app again. Uh, you convinced me. <laughs> I'll like, be on Reddit or something like that reporting. <laughs> that might get worse. But, uh, <laughs> I know it is. Trust me. <laughs> Matt, any other uh, storylines from you? Uh, no, that's the big one is like, I mean, look, like it's a weird year. Like yep. the bubble, it was, it was really going to be sink or swim where it was like, look, this is either going to be awesome or it's going to be done in a month. Like this just feels like, it's going to be a weird, like it yeah. might work perfectly. Maybe the NBA nails this, or it's like a weird bleeding out slowly, kind of like what the NFL is doing. So like, I think that's a huge story that like, yeah, it's really depressing to talk about to be like, Hey, what if like the season doesn't exist in two months because of this plan that didn't work. But I think it's the biggest storyline, right? Like it this is. could shape everything. There could be a team that would, you know, potentially be a, four seed one year in a play-in game like it just it's it's gonna be fascinating a hundred percent if you one of your key players gets it and like we brought this up before mo bamba tested positive for covid before yeah like before the bubble started in june like jack said and he's still symptoms and he's not cleared to play so like that's just pretty crazy stuff i'll just say one more thing in terms of storylines the defense obviously that's going to be a huge storyline the entire year <laughs> is this a championship level defense or is it just one that's going to, going to get you knocked out in the second conference can finals? i ask nick matt a question because i did see some cool quotes around like you know Ooh, people yep. asking about the defense and stuff we heard some things about the fact that you know we've seen defensive schemes and sort of you know man on man stuff and, and and shading all these different things i'm like well, what, what what Jacques Vaughn and Steve Nash are sort of, you know, assembling here, what did you sort of take away from those questions? Uh, yeah, I think they want to, and I wrote about this last week. It was, I, I actually think it was probably my favorite thing I've written since I've been, whatever, back on the, on the grind. <laughs> um, is, I, you know, I kind of was like, I was trying to figure out a way to describe it. I, it sounds like they, because they're such a small team, it's going to be like an army of ants. I've made yep. this reference a couple of times, but an army of ants like carrying a piece of food into their anthill. I think that's how they're going to come at it, right? Is they're going to come at, you know, at players and and just throw multiple guys at them. I don't know if it's going to work, but they're talking about this like it's this revolutionary thing that they're doing that nobody's seen before. That's the only thing I can think of because what are they going to be like outside of like sitting on each other's shoulders like I don't know what you're going to be doing other than just basically setting the terms of engagement versus responding to them. That's my only thing I could think of. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's no. Divots four versus five or something. Or was that Vali Divots? I think it was like the, the Kings or Vivek. Uh, Vivek. Owner, yeah, owner, Vivek. Owner, yeah, sorry, Vivek. Yeah. Sorry to Pato. He, he's, he's a bit smarter than that. He yeah. asked why teams don't do that. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I'm just intrigued because... I don't think the Nets' defense is going to be as bad as it is, but Gotham's Reckoning made an awesome point in the episode we did with him a couple of weeks ago. He said that no team in the past like decade or half decade has won a championship being lower than 10th in defensive rating in the regular season. Now, I can't see it right now, but I didn't see it last season at all, and we were freaking 8th. And yeah. I, to be honest, I think that there's better defensive personnel. Like... We've upgraded, you know, with Bruce Brown. We actually have probably a legitimate guy who's known for playing defense. Not in a position that we necessarily want. I'm a bit higher on Torian Prince, and we'll get to a lot of these guys later on. But defense is certainly going to be a point, and I think Matt will be bringing it up with Steve and, and Jacques and Ime Yudoka. I want to hear from Ime Yudoka a little bit. I think, I, yeah, I, me too. Yeah, hopefully he, he, he joins the party soon enough. You know, we're hearing from everyone, you know. Enough Kyrie Irving, you know, chess references. Let's get some Ime Yudoka defense, <laughs> defense references because that's what I'm all about. But yeah, <laughs> uh, one thing just to put a pin on the sort of storyline thing, 
This is the most unpredictable season in the history of the NBA. Yeah. Are full of unpre- unpredictability. So mm-hmm. it's almost like they fit so well that it's like they're representing the NBA and they're probably represent that unpredictability maybe better than any other team. And I think that's why so many national and, and broader NBA fans are so drawn to them right now because unpredictability and that sort of mystery and intrigue is what you know gets the eyes on the TV screens and you know people clicking and liking and retweeting on Twitter. So I'm really intrigued because this is going to be... And we can't, we cannot predict it. Like literally, the the definition of unpredictability is the Brooklyn Nets and the 2021 NBA season. Literally, 100. I got one more for yeah. top storylines. Apparently, Reggie Perry, because I've heard about him <laughs> once every single day of the last two. Lost him. There has been so much Reggie Perry discussion on Twitter. I you like if if you had if you had just like you know let's say I wasn't a basketball fan, and I just saw that I would assume that Reggie Perry is like starting center for the Brooklyn Nets. You would like, think he's James Wiseman. <laughs> right. Like I'm like, what are we doing? I don't know. Do you think so, he gets, I mean we can look let's we're gonna well, we're moving on. Well we can talk about Reggie Perry because that's the next topic. Oh. So we're gonna go this year's editions. We got fifty seventh overall Reggie Perry only draft pick. Thoughts on him. I got no thoughts. I <laughs> look like he's he's he seems like he's gonna be a bruiser and yeah. I don't know how that works in the league. But then again, like we get things all the time where like, you know, Malik Beasley comes in and he's supposed to be a three and D guy. And it turns out he's just a gunner. Who's just going to be like a microwave scorer. Like, yep. so I don't know. I mean, I, I I think a lot of these draft evaluations, like, yes, they are. They're, they're by, done by people that are mostly right. But every now and then you have a player that completely just grows out of like whatever was expected from him. So in short, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Chris Mulholland did an, an awesome piece for, for Nets Daily that sort of you know dissected what Sean Marks loves about him, what the players love about him. And for a rookie to make for a second round pick, you know, really late pick to to make that sort of an impact, I think is you know, maybe not unheard of because you know the, the Nets do also have Rodion Scorch who was a second round pick and you know was starting at, at points for the Brooklyn Nets, you know, in, in, in yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. Yeah. In the play- I think that now with this Nicholas Claxton injury, which is really disappointing, and, and I hope it's not necessarily a lingering issue for, for his long-term health and long-term future, but I'm really excited to see what he can provide because there could be moments where DJ is going to be resting because we saw games where you know he had a bit of a tweaked ankle and Jared Allen would start. And you know there's, you need a three centers probably on your roster. The Nets have two quality, capable big men. And Reggie Perry, I remember talking about on you know post-draft pods or whatever, you know, uh, Matt alluded to the sort of forceful nature. The dude is just a physical beast, and he yeah. provides something different to the team that I don't think that they have right now. And I'm I'm excited to see what he he. I reckon he's going to get minutes because you know this season, and you know whether it's two. I, I alluded to on a previous pod, you know, the two way iterations uh, have changed a little bit. It's like 50 games now rather yeah. than like 100 days. So I think it, you know there's going to be moments where whether it's Joza, whether it's Perry, these guys are going to be providing at least somewhat of spurts for this team throughout the season. Right. 100%. And Matt, I'm just curious, was Reggie Perry like brought up by the players or did someone ask a question about him? I, I don't know. It feels like some, like there's been a question about him ever. That's or, what I or found intriguing. Like, I, 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 I mean, Jeff Green like, brought him up. Didn't he? He was sort of saying like, who's caught the eye and Jeff Green had maybe brought up Reggie Perry or something, or maybe they asked him how he's gone. But yeah, um, Reggie Perry questions, which like I just wasn't expecting. I mean, I I'm kind of of the mind like with with rookies, I really like to try to keep expectations low for a for the player. Like it's just you know it's it's kind of a lot to ask, especially for a guy that's not like a lottery pick. 
Um, and yeah, as you mentioned this year, like they just don't have summer league or training camp or really, like, they're just literally be like, <laughs> Hey, uh, I know you haven't played college basketball since March, but good luck. You're now playing the NBA. <laughs> like it's, hope you I don't know. Tape. <laughs> I, yeah. Right. Like I, I hope you played 2k. Like <laughs> I, that's basically gonna be the closest you've done. So I don't know. Um, I, I try to keep it low, but yeah, there's been a lot of questions about him. There's people that are very interested in his prospects within Nets media, which is cool. I hope he does it. Yeah. Who's going to have a better season for, for out of you guys? Now, this is taking in health into account. Who's going to have more minutes? Who's going to have more of an impact out of Claxton and Perry? I'll still go Claxton. I mean, yeah, Perry's still got to, like, do something on the court. Like, Claxton, we've seen flashes already last year. Like, no disrespect to Reggie Perry. I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see him play, like, a single NBA minute this year. Like, Jeff Green could still fill in backup center. So, like, yeah, this kind of feels like almost one of those situations where a player get, kind of gets hyped up. Come on, Nick. Don't dull the, the excitement <laughs> right now. I feel like now, it kind like of happened with Jalen Hands last year. I remember hearing a lot yep. about him. And then... Yep. Not on the team. I think he was part of that Pistons trade. So yeah, well, not that I want Reggie Perry to fail, but I'm just not going to build up expectations at this point. Musa was also the guy that was yeah. like, super, like apparently just like taking it on in training camp last I year. I guess so that's I always thing for him though, because Detroit, Dwayne Casey came out and you saw that excellent <laughs> passer and excellent shooter. Okay, Dwayne. <laughs> excellent. Yeah. Look, I'm going to stay high and I think Perry can have an impact. I still think, you know, we saw Claxton, you know, against CJ McCollum, that one-on-one defense and, you know, the ball and everything and you know it's just a really fluid sort of guy out, out on the NBA floor Reggie Perry we don't know but I think we you know these preseason games are where we're going to see the greater impacts and this is their summer league uh, essentially yeah. these two preseason games and yeah it's going to be interesting with no Carol Silverta out there you know I think that you know Steve Nash did allude to today that he wants to play the guys that get higher minutes those high minutes but you know he wants to also spread the the, the load uh, somewhat as well so 2020 has reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be more efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there's no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching with Candidate instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only site that moves as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win the season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, Bet online, your online sportsbooks experts. 
it's going to be interesting. You know, the the additions as well. You know, we got Bruce Brown as well, Nick. He's a uh, he's next. To, he's He's the new David Nwaba. You know, we're still crying over David Nwaba, especially after seeing him for the Houston Rockets yesterday. But uh, Bruce Brown is making us feel a little bit less sad, isn't he? Yeah, 100%. I thought David Nwaba, I know this is off topic, but his Achilles looked pretty good yesterday. I was kind yeah. of impressed to see him. him and Wall. Sad I, I missed this. Yeah. Yeah. Him, him and Wall looked all right. And I was, I'm like, okay, this looks good. Hopefully this, this translates for Kevin as well. Especially Nwaba on the short turnaround. Wall's had like, you know, almost two years. But yeah. um. Getting back to the question, yeah, Bruce Brown seems like a guy that's going to provide defensive energy in a team that has a lot of questionable defenders. I think he'll stick out. Matt, what were your thoughts on Bruce Brown? I, I love, like, everything. I, ju- I just like that he gets, like, what's expected of him. Like, he's mm. 24, and he just gets it. Like, he yep. understands what he's going to come in and do. Um, I do also like, like, because I asked a question to him about what, like, skill set would, would catch everybody by surprise. He says playmaking four days later. I don't know. I mean, maybe Steve Nash is watching all his players' pressers. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe. Uh, he's pretty attentive, so, I mean, that, that could be, be pretty clever of him. Would be shrewd. But he brought up playmaking with Bruce, and I was like, all right, cool. Like, uh, maybe this is something that, that he has. It's not a rational confidence. Like, I don't know. And it seems like Pistons guys as well kind of have been really high on his ability to play a little bit more pure point, if you will. So, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really enthused by him. I think, like, the big thing for him is that he just does things that nobody else on the roster does. You know, I'm not saying he's like this like generational defender, but he like he's a defensive yeah. player. And like outside of like Jared Allen, I don't know who else you could really point to on this roster that is specifically looked at and known across the league as like somebody that can really defend. Like is Landry Shamit their third best defender outside of Joe Harris, give my guy some love, Matty B. I'm not even gonna my- take that away from him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it could be like Shamit's a little inconsistent, so I don't know. Yeah. It's, it it's might weird. honestly, it might end up being Dinwiddie this season. I have a weird feeling about that. But uh, just going to Bruce Brown, like you said, Matt, talking to some Pistons guys and just watching him a little bit last season, I felt like his biggest, you know, growth was playmaking. Even in that game, we saw him against the Nets. Like yeah. that was a fairly new opportunity for him, and he really took advantage of it. So I I remember watching that game because I was in New York at the time, and I was you know preparing for the buzz, and I was in my Airbnb, and I'm just like, what is why can't you stop Bruce Brown? Like it's Bruce Brown for God's sake. And now I'm I completely those those points are completely gone. I'm I'm on the Bruce Brown bandwagon, and you know, the I video want to say said, I called the podcast episode the Nets lost to Bruce Brown. Did, you did call it that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man we've done so many episodes it's, it, we lose track but in, in saying that the the video and the highlights that seem to stand out is bruce brown's defense on james hard you know a generational offensive player if you know bruce brown isn't a generational defender but anyone who can stop james harden one-on-one even limit him one-on-one has some real defensive chops and you know it, it doesn't take someone who is you know you've seen josh Koji do it you, you know those are the guys that sort of stick out those sort of bit guys but those guys have a a, a, a any sort of team and i think you know josh Kogi might be i think bruce brown's a lot better offensively and i think he's going to provide oh, yeah. something that's and i guess so sort of we can talk about all three of the guys you know it's jeff green it's landry shaman and it's bruce brown matt who for you out of those three we can dive deep individually into shaman and green as well out of those three guys who do you think is going to make the biggest impact this season for the team that's a good question. I, I I actually, you know, I think like the popular answer is going to be Shamit because I think people are high on what he can do. And I like him a lot as a player. I don't know what the role looks like for him. I, I do kind of wonder if it's going to be Bruce Brown. I mean, Jeff Green, 
I don't know how much to buy the Jeff Green experience in in, in Houston. I to if, to be completely honest with you, I I just don't know. Like maybe they did unlock a lot of things, and that's who he is. Um, but I don't know like how much production you get on the court. And he really tailed off. Like nobody really wanted to talk about. It. He was just out of their rotation in in round two. I actually think Bruce Brown can do certain things. I think the scoring touch is like a little bit more there than people realize, and the defense can be huge. And like there's just more opportunity for him because of how Nash has over and over said we want to be a defensive team, and he's really one of the two. <laughs> Plus defenders, like real plus defenders on the team. I just, I don't know. I think that's the guy. Yeah, I agree. I think he feels a need where you don't necessarily need Jeff Green because you're not expecting him to be this like... Well, Landry Shamit in some respects. Yeah, you got Joe Harris with the sweet tattoo. Like, yeah. what's, what's, this man's going to shoot 90%. <laughs> yeah, that percentage is going up. That's like a guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, so, I looked it up today. Yeah, Joe Harris shot 47.8% off passes from Kyrie. I was just like, my oh, God, this guy just doesn't miss. So dude. you got KD in there too. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, it's crazy. It almost feels like Nash is going to go through periods or like stretches during the season where maybe he plays Shaman a little bit more or he plays Green a little bit more because they can unlock specific lineups where Bruce Brown is more of a need around because like we kind of mentioned, they are lacking that elite perimeter defender. I don't know if he's elite yet, but he's kind of ascending towards that level. And like Matt mentioned, he's a guy who understands that he needs to have that role for the team. Yeah. It's his, yeah. it's literally his lifeline, especially <laughs> on this championship team. Like you, you're their defensive stopper. And, and they actually kind of outperform what some people expect. Um, you know, that's like, that's huge for your career. You got that on your yeah. resume now. So it's big for him. He's got a lot to, lot to gain. Especially in a playoff setting, in the championship setting. Like you've seen that kind of change a player's career. So Look at Lou Dort. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lou Dort is like, Lou Dort's going to get them a nice little whatever. They're going to get something for him at some yep. point if they, if they do decide to move on. Like, there you go. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah, he's on a bargain contract. If we can get Bruce Brown long-term on that contract, man, that'd be absolutely insane. But I think the the answer is Bruce Brown. And it's not reductive to just go, look, he's the best offensive player. But he is, and he also does, you could argue that he might be the best offensive player in terms of, you know, the playmaking. We know Landry Shamit is an elite three-point shooter and can continue to grow there. And maybe if he shows a little bit defensively, the argument can be, oh, maybe Landry Shamit is that guy. Maybe we can play him in some closing minutes in, in certain iterations. And, you know, he doesn't get fanned out on the defensive end. He becomes more consistent there. For me, Jeff Green is just an upgrade over Jared Dudley, what Jared Dudley was. I think he can play more capable. No, no, that's what a shout out to the Night King himself taking down Ben Simmons in the in the half court. I'm just saying that Jeff Green proved it a little bit in the in the playoffs and, and the early parts of the of the bubble. And I think he he gives you an option to go small ball, which yeah. I think is something that the Nets do need to unlock the the offensive and defensive potential of their team and to sort of make teams guard them in a way. You know, if Jeff Green just hitting corner threes the entire time and, you know, making good help rotations and being a good leader and defensive communicator, then we are getting absolute premium value from him in, right. in a lot of respects. And, you know, providing locker room stability and locker room sort of camaraderie, I think Jeff Green's going to be a good ad, especially at a vet minimum. I think a lot of other teams would have loved to get Jeff Green for, for that sort of money. Yeah. I agree. Did you guys want to jump into Jeff Green or Landry Shamit anymore? Or you want to move on? Look, I think Landry Shamit is going to be really intriguing. I think he might be a guy. And look, if we're talking about guys that I 
Matt and I do video breakdowns of. It might be Landry Shamit hitting like nine threes in a row, or it might be Bruce Brown playing his defensive sort of chops uh, on James Harden and Stephen Curry after opening night. You know, it'll be interesting to sort of see how it all pans out. But I think all three of these guys, you know, we talked about the depth of the rotation, how that's going to matter in, in the quote-unquote COVID season. All of these guys are going to matter and produce at some point at some point or another, it's just that that's going to be a fact. You know, I can almost you know etch that in stone. Matt, any thoughts on Shamit or Green? Anything else you want to throw out there? Or are you good? No, just people like Shamit. That's all. That's all. I'll, I'll leave it at that. People <laughs> like Shamit from the cover other teams. I've, I've had a, like a lot of Shamit discussions over the last couple of weeks, and uh, yeah, the people like him on defense. So I mean. I don't know. I, I'm I'm ready to experience it. I think, yeah, just as you mentioned, like a consistency thing. If he finds his footing, like that's another three and D find for Marks. Oh, that's yeah. another really good one because he's he's hit. He's really hit on that specific position. We saw it with Nawaba last year. We've seen it with other guys in previous years. What about um, Shump? That, that, what about Shump? Shump, <laughs> Shump, can't leave him out. My boy Travion Graham. <laughs> One of my favorite Nets. Uh, but no, all serious, it's like, that's really been a position of strength for Marks. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if this is another one in that long line of players that he's found. 100%. I think he could be huge for them moving forward. But uh, in terms of re-signings, we had obviously Jack's boy Joe Harris, Tyler Johnson, and Chris Gioza is on the partially guaranteed contract. Any thoughts on the re-signings, or you guys want to move to departures? Joe, with <laughs> no, all the money in the world, I want to see a, a little bit of moxie from him throughout the season. I want to see maybe a double elbow fist pump, <laughs> maybe more than just the single one. I want to see a little bit more personality, a little bit more swagger from Joey Harris, Joey Headband, whatever he's wearing this season, because he's got the money, he's got the cash now, and I hope you know guys are giving him a little bit of grief in the locker room and saying, hey, Joe, you got the next coffee run, my guy. You got to get the next donuts, my dude. You got that $75 million? You know, that's, he's making more money than like three quarters, 80% of the roster there. So I hope Joey, Joey Harris, you know, sticks up, stands up a little bit. And you know what? I've got my tattoo. I'm looking good right now. The guns are looking good, and I'm hitting 87% from three right now. Come at me. I want him to start getting like, you know, I remember like last year during media day, Nicholas class, one of the first things he said to me was, he was like, uh, I basically asked him what he'd been doing in New York and just, you know, passing the time for the season starts. He's like, I've been getting some drip. I've been hanging out with DeAndre. I'm like, do that for Joe Harris. Let's see Joe Harris and drip, like v loan, whatever, whatever high fashion things. Let's see him come in just completely iced out. The tattoo, like. This, let's make this man look like he's got that contract. <laughs> I, I, will say, on, I will say as well, on, on the tattoo, just awesome design and also yeah. just so sentimental. When, when I was watching the video and I saw it, I'm just like, man, the, the earth is too pure. Earth is too, no, he is too good for this earth. You know, his heart <laughs> is too pure. Like, you know, we, we've spoken about, you know, obviously the, when he had to leave the bubble and, and stuff. And, you know, we don't have to d dive deep into that, but um, it's awesome. And, and shout out to Joe Harris, you know, a great basketball, even better blow. Yep. Yeah, and obviously it was one of the biggest moves for the Nets to retain him and what he can do next to Katie and Kyrie. I thought getting Tyler Johnson back was important too, just to give you that extra depth in a COVID season and just kind of, you know, making sure the roster has competent NBA players. But getting to departures, Jana Musa, Garrett Temple, Wilson Chandler, and then an array of bubble nets from Justin Anderson, Jamal Crawford, Dante Hall, and Lance Thomas. Any of these guys you think they're going to miss or you wish they kept? 
Dante Hall, Yana Stopper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, it. Def, not Lance Thomas. That's that's my <laughs> answer. Not, I'm so happy I never have to watch another minute of Lance Thomas. God bless him, and he's had an awesome career. Uh, actually, had some really cool moments as Nick, but man, that, that yeah, the bubble was tough. It was his tough. body is just shot. Yeah, yeah he's done. <laughs> He's done. I'll so. I'll make an argument for Garrett Temple, who I think you know Kyrie Irving alluded to and, and has a prior relationship with. I think his leadership we saw in spades throughout the season and especially in the bubble as well. I think that leadership is going to be missed. You know, I think that the Nets, you know, are talking about this collaboration, leadership by collaboration. You know, Matt alluded to Kevin Durant being a leader, and I think that's a going to be you know ultimately that's a good thing. You know, we want to have our best players being the leader and face of this team. But I think guys behind the scenes, you know, I would say Garrett Temple is a better leader. And again, this is just sort of looking at it subjectively. Better leader than Jeff Green. You know, maybe DeAndre Jordan is that sort of glue guy as well behind the scenes too. But I think Garrett Temple's leadership, and I think his on-court stuff as well, because he still had some really good moments. Yeah. And I thought he was really good defensively for the team as well. But you add in Bruce Brown, and that sort of, you know, replaces the skill set there. And if not, upgrades it in, in a lot of respects as well. But I think Garrett Temple is going to be a loss. Maybe not a profound loss, but I think that they are going to miss him uh, for numerous reasons. I think I like him in Chicago better, though. I do, Mm -hmm. like, not because of, like, for playing, but, like, because that's a younger team. And, like, all of the wisdom that he gives to guys where it's, like, here's how you use your money. Here's how you stay out of trouble. Here's how, especially if you're a guy fighting for a roster spot, which who knows what happens to the Bulls, but there's a chance that their season ends early and they're bringing in a bunch of two-way guys or whatever. Um, They, that's a guy for him where he can really do a lot for that team. So, I like that. Like, just thinking, oh, we already mentioned Jared Dudley, but that's like what Jared Dudley really brought to the Nets a couple years ago. Uh, I, I, I like that for him. Yeah, I think it'll be good for Chicago. And, Jack, was there anybody you would have rather had, you know, over the guys that they got in, in, in place of Temple? You know what I mean? Yeah, look, it, I, I think Jeff Green is probably the guy that sort of does come to mind in terms of just, you know, being a, a friend of KD and FOKD or whatever the, the heck the, the hashtag is that goes around on Twitter and all social medias. But in, <laughs> in saying that, I think Garrett Temple, you know, I, I've just, I think a lot of, we've probably been high and low on him throughout the season and a lot of, you know, post-game um, podcast it's just like man why did Garrett Temple go 1 of 11 for 3 why didn't he just, just drive or kick it out but then the next game he goes like 4 of 6 and it's just like uh, it's a Garrett Temple experience And but I do I agree with you guys I think that his impact will be greater on you know younger up and coming teams but I still think that that skill set and, and that those qualities would have provided something for this Brooklyn Nets team even if it's not as great or what it can be for an up and coming team like the Chicago Bulls yeah I can see that. I think I would have probably went with Jeff Green just because of the potential of that small ball lineup, but we could save sure. that for another day. Who is going to be this? Who is going to be in the starting lineup on opening night? I think we got it today. If you sub out Karras for for Spencer, I think that's pretty much it, right? Um, that's what I think. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I feel bad for Jared Allen. I just don't, I just don't think he's in a situation where he's going to start and it's honestly I'll, I'll say it it's out of his it's out of his control yeah i mean look like if this is the first thing that nash has done like that starting lineup i was like this is cool we get to watch spencer and Kyrie, who i liked a lot last year um katie's obviously playing joe harris is in the starting lineup love all this also tells me that what we saw before the bubble where all of a sudden kenny atkinson loses whatever mutually parts ways if we, we <laughs> put it in those terms or whatever they went with um and and you know and the first change is is you know really jared allen for deandre jordan in the starting lineup 
I just it kind of just tells me like that's probably going to be a thing. I mean, maybe that changes throughout you know throughout the year and Nash puts his foot down in that way, but I don't know. It just sort of seems like he's going to be the token starter, and uh, and maybe maybe Jared Allen plays more. Like he just yep. he plays more total minutes, and they just whatever keep DeAndre happy in that way. But yeah, I mean, I I yeah, I don't know. It's it's a little bit of a shame. I feel bad for Jared Allen. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's like a sort of Zubac-Harrell thing where Zubac sort of gets those starting 20 minutes and then the 28 yeah. minutes goes to... Now, obviously, I think Jared Allen could have more of an impact on both ends of the floor, and I hope he does get more minutes, but I, I think that, you know, you alluded... I, I put out... I, I'm not sure if we chatted about it last week with you, Matt, or, or the week before or whatever, but, you know, your piece in saying, you know, how that healthy competition could be good for both of these players. It yeah. could go both ways. We don't know, ultimately, at the end of the day. You know, at, at the bubble, Jared Allen's like, you know what? I want this starting spot, you know? And that was cool to see because because a lot of people criticize Jared for not having that sort of competitive desire and edge and that nastiness. But I think Jared loves basketball and he really wants to make an impact. And, you know, this is a, a contract year for him as well. So he's going to yep. be wanting to get those minutes. And I hope he's continuing to, you know, if he's defending, you know, I think a lot of people took, took out of context, you know, the photo of Jared Allen sort of with the hands on his hips and stuff. And it's just like, all right, <laughs> let's chill a little bit here, guys. It's oh, I like this. Little snippets here and there. Honestly, you know, Matt, it just looked like he was out of breath at practice. Like, <laughs> but like look, sitting on the sidelines. Like, I, he, he wasn't on Team Black. Team Black was Kyrie, uh, Joe Harris, Dinwiddie, KD, and DJ. That's the starting lineup. And then, you know, the gray team was Carol Silver in the six-man role with Jared. I mean, at the end of the day, who cares? You know, I think that whoever is playing well will get the minutes. And whoever is impacting the team, yeah. I hope Steve Nash, you know, just it gives minutes to those who deserve it and for yep. those who are producing not because you're a friend of Kyrie Irving or a friend of Kevin Durant and you know Jeff Green you deserve some minutes because you're friends with KD and I don't want to upset KD ultimately he's gonna have to make those hard decisions and the hard decisions and this is probably the point where we've made before this is where he's gonna be earning his keep it's not gonna be at the media days and the, and the presses where we know that Steve Nash is an absolute masterclass but it's going to be the rotations, the hard decisions at the end of the day because it's going to fall back on him. It's not Mike D'Antoni. It's not Jack Fawn. It's not Ime Yudoka. You're the head coach. You're going to have to make these tough decisions. And yes, it'll be in collaboration with the players and the head coaching staff or whatever. But ultimately, you are the head of the, the coaching staff. You are going to make the tough decisions. You're going to give these minutes to whoever deserves them. And it might he might have to be the bad guy a little bit because right yeah. now, He's the, he's the friend of everyone. He's everyone's best friend. He's so switched on to, to everyone's sort of emotional and, and mental needs and sort of that, that sort of spiritual side of it, the emotional intelligence. But when it comes to basketball time, you know, he's going to have to be the bad guy a little bit because you're a coach. You're not a friend. You know, it's sort of like yeah. being a teacher. You know, you're not their friend. You're their teacher. So in that sort of respect, he's going to have to establish himself as the head coach and make those hard decisions when need be. Yeah, if I had a guess, that'd probably be the first hard decision or hard conversation he's going to have to have when he plays Jared Allen 30 minutes and only plays DJ, you know, 18 or whatever it might be. You know what I mean? Like, I agree with you guys. I was having maybe a slight bit of hope. I was like, please, Jared Allen, start. But <laughs> obviously, we got DeAndre Jordan. So it is what it is. As long as Jared Allen, I think, is still closing in most lineups, they'll still feel pretty good about it. You know, like you guys kind of mentioned, the minutes is really what matters. And I would say the same thing with Karis Avert. If he doesn't end up starting and he goes in that mono role that's been mentioned before, hey, it's okay as long as you're getting the minutes you need. But um, Matt, you, I sort of wanted to ask, Matt, because you put out a tweet, sort of you alluded to how other people playing with Kyrie Irving have, has impacted them. I spoke about it in the last pod and how it sort of affected Toy and Prince probably greatly. I was trying to find like that Reddit post, which was really good. You've got sort of got like all the data sort of there. 
Do you see Spencer as the long-term shooting guard or long-term, you know, second guard playing out there? Or do you think Karras fits better? What Can you see it sort of be by committee, collaboration being the sort of, you know, theme of the season? What are your thoughts? You, you know, I, I think the percentages you said with Spencer Dinwiddie were, were great when he's next to Kyrie. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I, I, I would, yeah, I would probably say they're going to feel it out. Like they yeah. really, I'll give Nash this, like, I don't know. There's a lot of questions I have still about what the season's going to look like. Um, I think he gets, it's a long-term process and I, I really genuinely believe that he's actually going to sit there and, and try things and not panic. I mean, it just, I don't know. I don't feel like he's going to be like, okay, well, this just clearly isn't working. Um, you know, let me talk to Sean and figure out something we can do. Yeah, like, yeah. I just, I, I actually genuinely think he's going to sit there and really tinker with combinations and figure out who plays together. So um, I think long-term, you're probably going to see Karras starting at the two. But if this starts off really well, like, I, again, like it did last year, I thought they were really great. And, um, you know, Kyrie and Spencer, I mean, uh, and I, I think if that continues, like, I don't I don't think he's going to feel obligated to, to play Karras as yeah. the starting shooting guard. Like, things are working, they're working. Go with it, so. Yeah, it's who's closing. It's, it's who's closing. It's on who's, who's starting minutes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the other thing is like you know, Karras and 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 Jared Allen had, were like really nice chemistry wise in the bubble. Really, really nice. So he I was mean, the if first guy that actually good. really got Jared Allen to work inside. Actually, yes. way yeah. back against OKC in what was yep. that like 2018? It was yep. from the Mexico City game. Don't ask me why I know that, but <laughs> that that was a a big night. <laughs> that was like my first big video night for uh, Twitter. But uh, there you we'll go. Save that for another day. In, ter- <laughs> in terms of the rest of the rotation, obviously we kind of all agree and said it'll probably be Kyrie, Levert, Joe Harris, KD, and DeAndre Jordan healthy starting. What do you think the bench unit's going to look like? Something like Spencer Dinwiddie, Bruce Brown, Landry Shamit, Torian Prince, Jared Allen, or do you guys think something different? Yeah, I think I think um, God, it's so tricky because I want both of Bruce Brown and Landry Shamit to play, yep. and I that's the part where I'm like, I don't know where they can fit these guys in, and and that's the part where I'm like, God, you guys just have one too many. <laughs> like if you could just add two inches. To, to Bruce Brown's frame. Like, we are... I love this roster. I'm like, this is yeah. perfect. I like what they're doing. It's going to be weird. They're going to be throwing, you know, weird combinations of, of downhill scores together. It's going to be just bizarre, but fun. Uh, but that's the one, you know, the one little issue I have right now. Um, and I, I yeah, I, I just would be curious, like, how many minutes... Like, what's the minute allocation going to look like between Green, Touring Prince, TLC? Like, are yeah. those, is that... What's that going to look like? Because right now, I think that... I mean, honestly, I'd feel much more comfortable playing more of Bruce Brown and, and Shamit than a, it's distributing those minutes up between those three. But that's the problem they have right now. Yeah, there's a lot of mouths to feed, you know, and I think that while you, we've sort of talked about how it's going to be a positive having that depth in what's going to be an unpredictable and uncertain season, it's also, you can look at it from the other side of things. It's just like, how are you going to maintain the semblance of chemistry and, and maintain the motivation of these guys? It's like, yep. you know, well, if, if I'm not getting minutes, why am I going to want to play out there? Why am I going to want to go hard at practice and, and these sort of things? It's a, it's a fine, fine balancing act that, that Steve Nash and, and those guys behind the scenes are going to have to judge. But I think that there's going to be a liberal, like sort of Matt alluded to, there's going to be an experimental and liberal nature to it, at least at the early points of the season. It's just like, all right, Bruce Brown, Landry Shamet, TLC, prove yourselves. You know, yeah. you know whether that's in you know mini preseason matchups and spurts. You know, we saw you know different things happen with guys in, on other teams. 
But in the starting point of the regular season, the Nets do have that sort of easy, sort of soft schedule. And that's why I think the Nets can, you know, play around with things a little bit. Is it going to be a 10-man rotation? Is it going to be an 8-man rotation, 9-man rotation? You know, I think it's going to be deeper, but I can't see it going more than 9 because it's almost just like, I, I, I don't know any other coaches in the NBA that play more than a 9-man rotation. We've seen at times Kenny Atkinson did a little bit, but he his, his magic number was 9. You know, maybe Steve Nash decides to go, all right, you know what? These are, my superstars are unhealthy at this point in time. I'm not going to be playing more than 31 minutes for them. And those extra five or six minutes, I'll split and give an extra couple to, to Jeff Green or, or split and give an extra couple to Bruce Brown or Landry Shamit or whatever. I think that that's going to be the storyline that we sort of alluded to earlier. That's going to be, in terms of on-court-wise, because there's so much behind-the-scenes stuff and so many personality and you know clickbaity, whatever you want to sort of talk about. But the on-court product is... At the end of the day, the things that's going to, that's what, what wins the championship. That's what you know, we're going to be watching for. That's what, you know, Nick and I make a lot of our money from because we do a million of these post-game pods. So I think we're going to be analyzing that on a night-by-night basis. And it's probably going to start against the, the Washington Wizards, Scott Brooks and Russell Westbrook. Probably not going to take too many. I know Matt put out a funny tweet sort of saying, let's get these hyperbolic takes off after, you know, the first 15 minutes of the first half or whatever. <laughs> you know, KD's washed and why did we trade the 19th pick? We should have got Sadiq Bay instead of Landry Shamit. Oh, but, yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to leave that. And, you know, Josh Green went at pick 18, so I'm happy <laughs> for him. Hopefully, he goes well in Dallas. But yeah, the, it, there's so many good players on this roster, good NBA players on this roster. How are they going to be satisfied if they're not getting minutes and regular rotation minutes uh, for a team that, you know, and a lot of these guys have individual sort of things that they're going to want to do. I want to earn my money. I want to make sure that I'm doing these sort of things. It's a uh, Steve Nash is, is doing all the right things now, but it's easy right now. It's getting much harder, and it's going to be getting much harder, not just at the early points of the season, but come you know before the trade deadline where all those hard decisions have to be made. And yeah, the rotation is probably going to be maybe the most fascinating on-court thing we'll be watching you know, from Game 1 to Game 72. And just to say this, it almost makes it harder for Steve Nash because there's going to be games where Kyrie and Kevin Durant don't play. So somebody else is going to get an extra 30 minutes or they're going to get added to the rotation. Now, what happens if that player that's just playing for the next two games because KD's out plays really well? Now all of a sudden you have like, oh, should he be playing over, you know, Landry Shaman or Bruce Brown or something like that? In my head, I have Kyrie, Levert, Harris, KD, uh, DeAndre, Spencer, Jared Allen, and probably Bruce Brown all locked in where it's like, nine and ten you don't really know what's going to happen like you would think torian prince is going to get minutes i would assume maybe there's some competition between him jeff green and rodeons and in that three spot you're thinking you know landry shaman's a little bit undersized like matt mentioned maybe bruce brown could slide that role and shaman could go to two or do you just go with tlc who maybe is a little bit longer it's really intriguing stuff because there's just so many questions about the rotation it's it sucks to have a lot of good players for the coach but i mean it's great for the team when they have to deal with injuries and stuff yeah. just going to be tough for him to kind of figure out that rotation you know, he's a smart guy, but this is a difficult situation. But in terms of lineups and stuff, do you have any lineups in your head that is just like you can't wait to see this one on the floor for the Nets? Um, I mean, I guess the just five best players lineup. That's the one I love. Like, I just I think that's super fun. Um, just the idea of having, you know, I, we, we'll just it's completely small. So it's like Kyrie, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant. I don't know how you stop that, honestly. Like that, just that, that, and I, I think like that's just sitting there for the taking. Um, and they, they clearly want to run Katie at the five. So if we already know that up front, then great. Like that's the lineup you want to do. What else are you gonna do? Who are you gonna run next to the five? You're gonna run 
Rodian's Kurutz out there? No, you're going to put your four best players outside of KD next to him. And I think that's awesome. And, I, you know, you can switch in other things. You want to put in a stopper. I, I feel like we've almost <laughs> – I'm not going to bring up Bruce Brown, but let's say you brought up, you know, like Landry Shamit. Yeah. Um, that's somebody you could sub in, and I think I could actually reasonably see that happening. Um, so you got I, him and I, Joe in the corners? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're running off, you know, they're running off a floppy set together. Like, yeah. I, I think that'd be that'd be fun. And I, I, I got to say, like, that's the part where I'm just like, I don't know how you stop that. I want to get to that point where that lineup is actually going to be played because it won't be, it won't be in a preseason game next, you know, against the Wizards. <laughs> nah, we'll save that for the, you know, game one against the Golden State Warriors. We'll show them. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the new death lineup, baby. You know, we'll call it the, the they called the the Andre Iguodala one like the coma lineup. I don't know. This will be the resurrection lineup. Hampton because- Five. Yeah, Hampton Five, whatever. We'll, we'll figure out some cool nicknames for it. You know, we've got some marketing minds here. <laughs> I, I like the sort of you know the Landry Shamit one that Matt was alluding to. You know, Nick's probably the the spacing dude of this podcast, the spacing dude of the outlet as well. I think that if you have five legitimate, like if you take you know Spencer's good off the catch, Karras is not as great off the catch. So if you sub Karras for you know Landry Shamit, you know, oh man, I like. You can just shoot threes. Become Mike D'Antoni's just like, this is the lineup I want to see for like 38 minutes. And, you know, obviously he's not going to get his way. But, man, it, there's so many iterations. I remember putting out a couple of weeks ago just the different offensive iterations. You know, and even if Torian Prince starts getting back to yep. his sort of three-point ways and you have him at the four or the five, you know, with KD, you know, sort of replacing Jeff Green, you know, I hope... You know, we'll be getting to some surprise players later, but you know, maybe segueing in that a little bit. But I don't know. I'm a little bit higher on TP, you know, and not just on Tuesdays. <laughs> no, I'm with Matt here, though. I can't wait to see that lineup. It seems like something you'd kind of experiment with in 2K, but like, given yep. it makes so much sense in this current NBA, like, that's a lineup that can go on a 16-0 run in like two minutes. Defense is the only thing, though. 100%. And, and yep. At the end of the day. I, we we don't know what Kevin Durant is going to be like defensively. We know what he produced for Golden State was awesome. I've got like looked at video of of what he he did as sort of like a help defender, a rotational defender. He's a great rim protector. But in saying that, what is going to be ta- there's going to be something that's taken away, you know, because yep. of you know the comeback from the Achilles. And the easy thing to say is the defense, but maybe it isn't. Maybe that's where he's really motivated to be. Like you know what, everyone's saying that I'm not going to be good defensively. You know what, I'm going to prove it to you. I haven't lost a step there. Maybe I might have lost a step in terms of you know hitting every single shot from every spot on the floor from 40 foot beyond. But in saying that, I'm I'm so intrigued. I think Kevin Durant defense is the one thing that could make this team, you know otherworldly as Matt was sort of alluding to and how he defends centers like that's what he's going to be if he's in that lineup they're obviously going to be slower they're going to be bulkier and stronger so certain matchups it should be okay we're like there's some centers in the NBA that really can't do anything but catch an oop or dunk the ball you know what I mean like that's not something you're not going to see on a regular basis so it is really intriguing I mean there's just a ton of different lineups you can throw out there I think there's some real flexibility with this team in terms of like versatility of like playing guys together even if you went with something where you're maybe playing a center and you still have Dinwiddie, Lavert, Kyrie, KD and Jared Allen like you have four really good yeah. ball handlers that all can make plays and like who has four really good perimeter defenders no one like that doesn't no. exist so nah. uh, that's that's a problem for a lot of teams then you got Jared Allen inside with catching the oops but uh right. so you mentioned this Jack Any players that you think are going to surprise, you know, maybe the Nets fans, maybe the NBA media, any guys you think are really going to pop off this year? I don't know. I'm going to harp on the sort of topic that sort of Matt brought to the podcast and brought to his timeline. I think Toyin Prince 
within this system when the Brooklyn Nets have their best players is going to be unlocked to be the best version of Toy and Prince. Because in the moments when Kyrie Irving was healthy, Toy and Prince was lights out Joe Harris. And now, and that is his number one skill. And that could be the Brooklyn Nets' number one yep. skill. They could be, you know, first in three-point attempts, first in three-point efficiency. And if you have Toy and Prince hitting those threes and also doing at least somewhat better and at least average defensively, He's going to be a massive ad for this team. You know, he could be playing alongside KD in closing moments. He could be guarding, you know, small forwards, power forwards in, in certain lives. You know, we've seen glimpses of it, but it's just sometimes that his communication um, and, and his just attentiveness on the defensive yeah. end just gets lost. And if he's motivated there, you know, he said all the right things about Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving about their leadership style and such. I think that he's, he's already oozing and taking in all the stuff that, you know, their wisdom and, and their expertise... Oh uh, no! Um, maybe it's it's sort of like the Torian Prince's, the Philadelphia 76ers of the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> it's just like you're always lured by the idea of him, but upset by the actual result of it. But I'm still, I'm still, I'm still in on TP, and you know he still did make improvements last season. We haven't unfortunately been had the time to dive deep into season reviews and season previews, but you know his rebounding was, was great this year. Yeah. Obviously, that isn't necessarily going to be his number one skill. But if he's out there in closing lineups, playing at the four or the five, maybe it will be, and maybe it will be absolutely a premium for him to be doing that. So I don't know. I'm excited a little bit about Toy and Prince, and not just jumping on SoundCloud tracks with uh, Kyrie Irving in the off season as well. <laughs> I hope we get that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't know for my pleasure, but just because I just want to see how Twitter reacts. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, some of the guys are like, "This is kind of fire." It's like, yeah, dude, this yeah. Someone was like, "Yo, you know, Kyrie's bars aren't that bad." I'm like, "Bro, he's not even rapping on beat." Like, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not. A, I'm not an artist in any way whatsoever. But come on. Yeah. yeah. Matt, what do you guys think of Toy and Prince? You know, Matt, uh, are you, am I drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit too much here? Are you out on the Toy and Prince experience? Should we have shipped him off with that 19th pick and got rid of him and got some sort of acid in return? Um, Toy I can't and tell Prince that's a real mustache or Kool-Aid mustache. I don't know. <laughs> it certainly is. And I don't know. Am I too high on Toy and Prince? Let's put it that way. I just can't get past the defense. <laughs> I, I, That's the thing that I just had such a tough time with. And... <laughs> My big thing would be, okay, great. He's not going to be playing the four anymore. I think he's going to have to play the four. Yep. Who? This team's so small. Like he's a he's in the exact same position last year, just with more expectations. That's my problem. And I think like so much of last year, just kind of getting tossed around for lack of a better term by bigger players. I think it really bled into a probably how he was feeling day to day, which. <laughs> It's gonna to be tougher this year when you're when you're playing you know three games in four nights like two, yep. I think like two times in the first month. So he he I don't know I don't know how things I think that the thing that might be better for him is just like the spacing that he's gonna have um, and and just the the freedom to kind of do what he likes to do. But I just think there are such pronounced holes in his game and and what he's gonna be asked to do is honestly a pretty big ask in the same way that playing point guard was a big ask for Garrett Temple last year like. I think both of those guys saw dramatic, you know, uh, decrescendos in their production because of the positions that they were asked to fill, and and I don't see that changing that much for him. So, I don't. I personally don't. I'm not there yet on TP, but 
I mean, you can only go go up from where he was. I was the best thing I could say about it. I will say the one thing that gives you maybe some confidence about Torian Prince. It just felt like last year he, like you mentioned, Matt, he lost that confidence. He was kind of in yeah. his head. So like it's a also season... the starting lineup as well. Yeah. So like, when took over. Sometimes right. a season reset can kind of help you get back in groove, at least offensively with a three point shot. Like Matt said, I don't really know what's good with the defense. You know, sometimes it's just like literally not paying attention to what's going on, and other times it's just like you're not strong enough. It'll be interesting to see maybe if the competition with Jeff Green kind of pushes him a little bit farther, or would you guys rather see Jeff Green be that backup four because maybe he has more of the body type? I'm, I don't know. I, I, I should, I should give up on Torian Prince. You know, I, I, I hear, or I hear and I see. I don't think like, you fully have to give up. Yeah, like, I don't think you need to. Yeah. Okay. Like, there's still some hope. It's just like, all right, Torian, like this is three years ago. We saw you play really good defense for the Hawks. Yes. Where did that go? Like, yes. Uh, well, it's, it's like, it's like Carl Anthony Towns playing, you know, defense in college and that being one of his like pronounced skills. And now he's just like the best three point shooter, the big man. He doesn't play any defense. Yeah. Like, <laughs> defense at all. It's interesting because, you know, and it's like Carol Silvert off the catch in college, you know, and, yeah. and in the early points of his career. So like, that's still there. Like, surely it's still there. It's just like, let's bring it out of you in some weird way. It's like the monster stole that specific seal from you or something. I don't know. I would still, I would say it would be, and it's a cop-out answer, by committee. Because I think Jeff Green is better as a five, to be honest. And I think yeah. Toyin Prince is probably Great. a better one than he is. I just think Jeff Green doesn't have the athleticism and quickness and slight of foot that Toyin Prince probably still does have. It's not that he's he's had you know any lingering injuries. He's always been quite a healthy player for the past couple of years. Whereas Jeff Green, obviously into his mid to late thirties, looks better as a five to me. So I, I think both of them will have similarish roles, but also they provide a difference enough that you might even see them out there at the same time in in certain respects as well. Yeah, that's a real possibility. And like Matt kind of hinted at, maybe we can get Torian a little bit more at the three, but it almost seems kind of impossible with this roster construction. There's a a possibility where we see Torian Prince at the three, KD at the four, and Jeff Green at the five. Yeah. Maybe. Like, I'm not saying that that lineup is going to play, you know, 400 minutes next season, but I think that there might be times and moments where we do see that. Maybe it's against the Celtics or something. You know, certain teams that have a you know a bit a little bit of length and some some decent sort of wing, but they don't have you know that sort of solid center. You know, the yep. Joel Embiid, the Nikola Jokic type. You know, you got up against Tice. You know, I'm happy with Jeff Green guarding Tice or or Kevin Durant sort of doing it center by committee there. So maybe you know, I'm not saying. I just think that you know we alluded to this sort of experimental nature. You know, if Steve Nash is going to be ha- preach this sort of collaboration, this experimental nature, he has to actually do it, and he actually like you know take a page out of you know. Um, Nick Nurse's playbook and go, you know what? This guy isn't afraid to experiment and he's sort of seen the results from that. And I'm wondering if it's going to be that, you know, we don't see the results from you know, uh, Steve Nash's experimentation. He's going to be completely throw that playbook out the window and go, you know what? It didn't work. Or is he going to persevere with certain things like weird, funky lineups, like weird and funky rotations, deep rotations or whatever? Is he going to be willing to, you know, be wrong a couple of times and take a couple of L's during that, you know, easy schedule? I think that, you know, if we keep harking back to it, but it's going to, it's going to basically harbor the success of this team. It's going to be sink or swim in, in a lot of respects. It can make all the difference come postseason time, having yeah. all those different options you tested. You know, we brought this up on the outlet. I'm not going to jump into it. But the reason the Bucks have had so many issues in terms of switching their defense in that series against the Heat is because they ran the same stuff all year <laughs> long. So they literally had no idea, like, what else to do. But uh, I would just say, like, I'm going to keep my eye on Jared Allen. Like, I'm just 
intrigued by him and see if he can take those strides as a defensive player, especially like on ball and being like this option that could really deal with maybe some of the perimeter bigs in the league and just kind of use the motivation of DeAndre Jordan starting over him because we saw real growth from him in the bubble. Like he was a different player than what we saw during the regular season. There was more confidence. There was I more. Jump it. Yeah, he, he was a little just more comfortable in the ball. So I'm intrigued by Jared Allen seeing if he can maybe make another jump in a contract year. Obviously, if he's not getting the minutes, there's not much he can do. I, I think, well, I mean, first off, there's, there's they only have two centers. So yeah. <laughs> unless I, I mean, Perry, baby, Rich Perry. Hey, there we go. We've got to bring him up. Um, but no, I mean, like for him, I actually it would be really interesting to see if like Nash is, is, is starting DeAndre Jordan. I don't know if I necessarily buy this theory, but if he's starting DeAndre Jordan to light a fire mm. under Jared Allen because of what Jared Allen said about the bubble. I don't know. Could happen. But it, it's one of the two things, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be one or the other. So and I it like could that. just be like maybe DeAndre's doing some of the basic things that Nash wants Allen to do and he's missing. Communicating. Yeah, that's probably the biggest one, especially with Katie and Kyrie there. I mean, I think we could all see Jared Allen maybe being kind of a little timid in terms of like, Hey, Kai, get over there. Like, Jared Allen, you know what I mean? Like, I can't even imagine Jared Allen ever He was starstruck at- today. Like, when, when they brought him on, like, I think he was kind of like, oh, wow, we're here. Like, yeah. this is the last practice. I'm actually about to play, like, a real real meaningful season of basketball. Like, like the first one I've ever really done. Yep. Um, so, so I don't know. I, I, I actually could, I could see that as well. His career can go one of two ways. Not to say it's going to dictate if he's going to be a good or bad player, but like you said, Matt, like pressure situations can be really yeah. good or really bad for certain young guys. But uh, yep. pressure makes diamonds. Yep. Uh, moving on from there, quickly, you guys, just give me your team awards. Who's going to be MVP? Who's going to be Defensive Player of the Year? And who's going to be most improved? <laughs> With the Defensive Player of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Can I pick? Uh... Can I pick Kevin Durant for MVP and, and Defensive Player of the Year? You got I think, it. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be their most important defender. I don't know if he's gonna be their best defender, but I I can't pick a guy who's gonna probably come off the bench and is really just a shot blocker. I mean, maybe you can do that, but that's so boring um, <laughs> with Jared Allen. So I actually I think I would pick Kevin Durant as their their multi-purpose guy. I mean, look like Nash today talked a lot a lot yep. about using KD all over the floor on defense. He's talked about it on offense. Defense today was the big thing. And uh, and I, it just seems like he's going to get ample opportunities to guard just literally everybody, which makes me feel pretty good about his health, by the way. He's, yes, he's you yeah, know, exactly. out there saying that. So I, I actually think I would pick him for those two. Most improved, Reggie Perry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. He hasn't done anything, but he's always going to improve, always in our hearts and our minds, Reggie Perry. I, I think that in, just before I do, you know, get to my picks, Kevin Durant also wasn't against that. He was sort of like, you know what, coach is going to put me in a lot of different situations, and I'm open to it. I'm just like, yeah. that's what I want to hear. You know, you sort of, you know, willing to take on the, the different sort of things. And with Kevin, if Kenny Atkinson had said that, and, and again, not to allude to it, but even if it was anyone other than Steve Nash, would Kevin Durant be like, you know what, I don't really want to do this, man. You know, I'm coming back from an Achilles. You know, just let me chill a little bit in the early points of the season. Defense isn't going to be my thing, but yeah, MVP has to be Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant isn't, you know, healthy, if he isn't, if it's Kyrie Irving or if it's Carol Savert, if it's Spencer Dinwiddie, those days are behind the Brooklyn Nets. You know, if those are the guys that are winning your MVP, the Nets aren't winning a championship. So it's as simple as that. Most improved, you know, I think that if it's Lavert or Dinwiddie in a defensive sort of manner, that's what we want and that's what we hope to see. Or as catchers, 
I'll go Spencer Dibbity. Um, you know, I'll let you pick Carlos Levert because, you know, he's getting all that sweet, sweet Jordan money now. But I think Spencer Dimwitty has a lot to play for individually. And I think he's going to prove himself in so many different ways. And, you know, I think he's going to back up all the talk that he said in the offseason and, you know, at media days to Matt and, and to the jump and all these different places. I think Spencer Dimwitty's going to prove it this season. And defensive player, you know, if it's not Kevin Durant, um, it's going to be Bruce Brown or Jared Allen. Yeah, I went with KD, obviously, as MVP, like you said. If it's not KD, then that's probably aren't having an amazing season. Uh, Defensive player of the year, I went with Bruce Brown. But that definitely almost kind of converted me over to Kevin Durant, especially after those comments today. It's like, oh, yeah, the best player in the other team, KD, you're going to guard them every night. Good luck. Like, that's pretty much what he's saying, guard one through five. And then most improved, ah, man, it's tough. Like, it's tough to see who's going to really improve. Like you said, Jack, it could be Karras. It could be Dinwiddie. I'm just going to go with Levert just because you picked Dinwiddie to switch it up. I thought maybe you go with your guy Torian Prince, but I guess the, the confidence isn't quite there yet. <laughs> My bad. Torian Prince talk. I was high on him. I think he deserves all the praise. And I'm hoping he has a good season because I think he has a role to play in, in Brooklyn Nets' success. Um, but moving on from there, what would you guys list as the strengths of this team? Oh, man. I mean, it's so it's very simple. It's got to be scoring, yep. right? Like this team... I mean, we talked about the the best lineup they can put out there. Pure That's offense. That's all offense, so it's it's pretty straightforward for me. Yeah, I've on top of that, I listed a couple of things. You know, offensive talent. You know, whether it's ISO or in the half court. You know, and also in transition because I think Steve Nash has been preaching that a little bit too. You know, depth, three point shooting. You know, the the ability to play some small ball and you know hopefully a little bit of switchability. The quality at the center and the, and the depth there. Uh, I think the coaching expertise, you know, my guy, Nick Busink, you know, has been like, you know, this is the dream team of, of head coaching, you know, uh, and, and assistant coaching sort of ranks. Um, you know, flexibility and a malleability to make changes. I think Steve Nash is going to be on that. And to go with that, you know, we talked about Kevin Durant as the defender. You know, you have DeAndre Jordan, Kevin Durant and Jared Allen. That's some pretty good shot blocking as well. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Jack, you listed them all, Matt. Obviously, you kind of controlled it from the top with the offense. So uh, what would you guys list as the weaknesses of this team? Pretty much the opposite direction. <laughs> I wish I could be like, well, I, I think, you know, I don't know, uh, rebounding <laughs> off free throws. Nah, yeah, it's all defense. <laughs> um, look, man, they're really preaching it. They're really preaching it. And I, I think that's been the big expectation. I also think that Steve Nash is the guy to, to recognize his weaknesses. Um, you know, he's had a, a career of, of ups and, and and he's had some tough losses in his career. And I think that's really important as a competitor. So <laughs> just, just because of how much they brought up defense, it's got to be the defense. He would not talk about the defense this much if it was going to be this great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Defense, wing quality and depth, um, head coach inexperience, the uh, there's the, the just so much newness to this situation, this team, oh, yeah. be it the coach, be it the players, and just everything. You know, Kevin Durant hasn't played yet. Kyrie played 20 games last season. And then the injury history of our two most important players. And, you know, Carlos Levert has a, quite a pronounced injury history as well. So our three best players have, you know, quite an extensive injury history behind them, at least in recent years. So um, that certainly is, to me, maybe the biggest weakness because... You know, if you're healthy, you know, you can have a shitty defense, but you can at least work on it. But if you're not healthy and you have shitty defense, then you can't work on it. So for me, I think all of those things are the weaknesses that I sort of picked out. Yeah, Jack, you nailed it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much everything. You just look at the team and there's just so many question marks on that defensive side. Obviously, like you said, the injury concerns. And then also just like this team has never played together. Like, I think that's just something yeah. like 
You have the Lakers who have, you know, majority of the same core. You have even the Clippers still majority of the same Celtics. core. Celtics. Yeah, even the Bucks. they just really added Drew Holiday, who's more of a complimentary piece in terms of, like, what they're going to do. So it's just like, all right, how do these pieces gel? Can these guys build chemistry and habits quick enough? And even just understand the scheme of the offense and the defense. Like you mentioned, Matt, I feel like Steve Nash has said it's going to it's going to be like an approach throughout the whole year. Like we're going to be learning as the year progresses. It's not a finished product. So he knows it's an issue. Really, the, one thing I'll say to you, Matt, because you get to speak to him, not face to face, but, you know, computer to face. Yeah. In saying that, do you buy all the things do you like? Are you drinking the Kool-Aid like I am with Toy and Prince? All the things that he's saying or is he saying thing, these things to temper the expectations of the team and the fans? No, I think they're going to try stuff. I, I don't know if it's going to work. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, your cast is what it is. Like, that's that's what you're working with. But I, I genuinely think they're going to try a lot of things because it just seems like they're sort of in the perspective of, like, what have we got to lose? Like, we have yep. this team that's small. Like, let's do weird things and try to catch people off guard. Basketball kind of works as a calendar. Like, it takes – it can sometimes, it can actually throw the entire league off for a full year, multiple yep. years. You know, teams eventually adjusted to the Warriors, even with all the talent that they had. So maybe that's what he's doing. He's like, we're going to try something really new and just try to like take some of these soccer tactics that I've been, you know, digesting for years and years and years and, and try them in, in the NBA. So I, I buy it. I, I actually really buy that they're going to do weird stuff. I just don't know if it's going to be effective. <laughs> like Matt said, they have nothing to lose. Like, if it yeah. works, it works. If it doesn't, the defense was never really going to be amazing. But do they have nothing to, to play devil's advocate? Do they have nothing to lose? Because if they're not, I mean, I'm not sure how well, much. Well, they're the 20th ranked defense in terms of like, they're like one of the worst defenses in the league. Like, being 20th or 24th, there's not really going to yeah. make a huge difference. And like, no, you're using the regular season to prepare for the postseason. But yeah. In saying also, that, go back. I was just going to no, say. No, I was just going to say, I, I also find regular season like defensive rating to be a little noisy. That was such a nerdy thing to interject with. But um, like you look <laughs> like at like the term. Nets with their with their uh, eighth eighth ranked defense or the Bucks, which with their historically great defense, like they ran a more conservative system. So if Nash's defense, like it's like whatever, 25th and D, but they like the, the process, they like what it's, giving in the regular season we might actually not even realize it till we get to the playoffs so i, I don't know i again like i just think they're going to be really open and, and zen about it <laughs> yeah to play devil's advocate you know in a truncated 72 game season there is going to be less time to experiment yeah, you know, and in, in saying that you know you still need to solidify a playoff spot you know there are going to be injuries there are going to be covid cases there are going to be all these things and you know, there's only so much experimenting you can, you can do on both ends of the floor until you're like, you know what, this is the identity that, that we want to establish. You know, these are the things that work. These are the things that don't work. And, you know, teams have, that have won the past championships, you know, Golden State had a strong defensive identity. The Toronto Raptors had a strong defensive identity. Even the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, with Richard Jefferson and you know, Tristan Thompson, these sort of guys out there and LeBron James, you know, coming, coming from behind and, and blocking everything. You know, that all of those things... While there is going to be a certain leeway at certain points, it also has to be like, you know what? We're 40, 50 games into the season and the Brooklyn Nets are 25th in defensive rating and we still don't know what they look like there. You know, I think there's going to be a point in time where, and I'm sure Steve Nash and the coaching staff and the players will be like, you know what? All right, let's stop experimenting with stuff and stop doing all these weird and different things. We need to solidify ourselves. And that's one thing that last year's Brooklyn Nets were good at. You know, they had a strong defensive identity, defense by committee. And they were able to establish that, you know, they had their, their their growing pains, you know, at early points of the season where we were like, you know what, 
how is like there's good defense, there's bad defense, but then by the end of it, eighth in defensive rating. And then you know Jacques Vaughn takes over and was doing some cool different things, you know, with the the less talented roster in the bubble as well. So I'm confident in what Jacques Vaughn and, and the coaching staff can do there. But I also do think that the the rope isn't as long as maybe we all think. Well, I think you're right in the sense, Jack, that they need to know what they're doing by, like, game 50 or have an idea of, like, hey, this is kind of the defense we're going to run. But like Matt said, offense is not the same in the regular season in comparison to the postseason. Like, there's just a lot of different things that happen. Like, things just slow down dramatically. You know every set that the other team's going to run. So it's just kind of, like, sometimes it's a little bit harder. And if you can make that team uncomfortable for a quarter or a half, like we saw the Miami Heat do to the Milwaukee Bucks and to the Boston Celtics— that might be enough for you to win. And I honestly think like this team is gifted enough offensively. There's probably 10 teams in the league that they need to play good defense against. They could probably beat the other 19 just scoring yeah. 125 points. True. <laughs> True. That's what the Hawks are doing. It's like the Mavs last year too. Yeah. Like, it's yep. kind of yep. funny stuff. So yep. different game. But guys, the big question, how many wins will this team land this season? Somewhere in like the like mid-40s, 45. 44 to 46 maybe 47 um so we'll just i'll go with i'll go with a nice round 45 wins about a 52 ish win pace i think that's pretty reasonable yep yeah i'll go with 44 uh as well i had you know nick forced me to to not do ranges <laughs> i had 43 to 48 you know there's a uh, there is ultimately a quite a, a high break. <laughs> some other ranges from other people at OTD basketball but i think that 44 for me, you know, I'm a little bit more conservative like Matt is. You know, Matt's probably, and Nick's probably going to be saying, you know, 57 out of 72. <laughs> so he, he's drinking the, the Steve Nash and, and Brooklyn Nets call that in general. But yeah, a sort of around a 600 sort of winning percentage is what I would sort of predict at this point in time. Yeah, uh, you're close, Jack. You got one number, right? 47, not 57, so 47. Uh, like you guys said, I'm always going to be a little bit more optimistic. I just think this team is really talented. As much as we complain about the defense, there's still a lot of really good players in this team. And like I've said before, like they're going to have two good playmakers on the floor at all times, probably one elite spacer and one good vertical spacer. So there's a lot of reason for them to have success and actually make sense. We're like, there's plenty of teams in the league that just don't make sense in terms of the roster construction. It's true. And for, for those playing along at home, 47 wins is about a 54 win range in a few game season. Yeah, which obviously is definitely like a little bit more optimistic considering it is a new group, but whatever. <laughs> uh, in terms That's why we work, mate. That's why we work. The, the yin and the yang. <laughs> uh, what are you guys thinking in terms of playoff prediction? Are you willing to give that out yet or do you want to see? Oh, we, let's do it. Um, I, I don't know who's better. I, no, I, I think, you know, it's funny, like, if I didn't feel like everybody in their conference, the Heat are the one I, like, it's funny, I, I, I had the Heat, I tried to mock out the standings, I had the Heat, like, fourth or fifth, I still kind of like the Heat, I'm like, I, that kind of, everybody's talking about, like, them, like, they're this aberration, I really like what they've got, and yeah. they, they just have a core that makes sense and, and clearly works in the playoffs, so, Everybody else has gotten worse. Celtics got worse. The Bucks are. I think they improved, but like, did they improve any of their weaknesses? Eh, not really. Coach is still there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and like, you got the Raptors got worse. So it's like all these Sixers? teams got worse. Uh, Sixers are. I like the Sixers, but guess what? They still have no. They don't have a closer. 
Yep. Like, what do you, it just, they, they didn't address that problem. I think you're going to be way better in the regular season and it's going to look like functional. <laughs> We're not going to have two guys posting up in the same spot. Like, it's <laughs> going to look like actual basketball with spacing. I don't think they improve so much where they're going to just cruise to the finals. They still have two stars that don't play together well. Yep. Um, the Nets don't have that problem. They have two stars that make sense before we even need to watch two seconds of them playing together. It's just, it, they're going to be fine. So, because of that, I kind of think they're going to make the finals. I don't, and I, I get all the problems. I understand it. I think it'll be an, you know, an Eastern Conference Finals between them and the Heat. I just would lean, I would lean Nets right now because of how many weapons they have. Yeah, if the Brooklyn Nets are healthy, but they're making the finals and they can win a championship. It's as yep. simple as that. But it's a very, I, I think I put <laughs> this out. It's a very simple toy to put out there. It's just a very big if. It's an I capital I capital F because yep. you know you. Two guys who have an injury history, and it's one of the worst injuries to come off in any sport, let alone basketball. But in saying that, you know, I want to drink the Kool-Aid as well. I'm drinking a lot of Kool-Aid today. This match is actually getting redder and redder by the moment. But look, <laughs> Kevin Durant is, has won two finals MVPs. He might make it three. You know, Kyrie Irving has hit one of the greatest shots in the history of playoff basketball. These are guys that have proven it. Giannis hasn't. Jimmy Butler has. That's why I think Matt made a good point about bringing up the Miami Heat and being like, you know what? Even if they make fourth or fifth, you know, they were fifth. When they fifth against, uh, like, Indiana were fourth or fifth, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. The right. yeah. Like, didn't, ultimately, it didn't matter because, you know, there was no home court advantage. But maybe by that point as well, you know, we can get Barclay Center. We got the vaccine going. You know, I'm I'm jabbed up and I'm good to go ahead to Barclay Center and let's watch some Kevin Durant hit some daggers over Giannis under the Kumpo and show him what f- playoff basketball is all about because I'll reference this to Nick and Corey if he's listening. Giannis ain't a guy yet. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, they are guys. <laughs> okay, Jack. But, uh, we'll, say, we'll save that for the outlet. But uh, I'm going with the championship here. So uh, that was always going to be optimistic. I'm actually surprised both of you guys picked them in the finals. And I'm just going to go. If they're going to get there, I have confidence. And if they're getting to you that gotta point. you got to beat the Lakers. If, if Kevin Durant is getting the net to that point, they are healthy. Okay. Like, he is healthy. Like, he is, he is a really, really good player. So... I'm going to go with that. I, I think like the Lakers could run into some issues this year. I'm going to, we'll talk about that obviously on the outlet and stuff, but just given the short turnaround, LeBron being a year older, obviously the Nets probably need to make one move. Like I, I'm doing this yeah. in mind thinking they're going to add one forward. And I'm not saying it's going to be a starter. It might just be a bench player that just gives you, you know. Hey, Nick, can I bring up a name you might not have heard of yet? Yeah, go ahead. Does it wait? Does his first name start with A? Last name. It does. Did you see that dunk last night, man? See you later, Spence. Aaron Gordon. <laughs> him and Jared Allen have a fault. I thought you were gonna say Reggie Perry. <laughs> I thought you were gonna do it. I was like, this is that's what we call a callback in the industry. All right. <laughs> yes, not clearly not good at that. Aaron Gordon. It, hey, that Aaron Gordon's a callback to two seasons ago. Ever, every second of since he was day. a free agent, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's optimistic. This is a new team, but I'm going to go with if they get there. I feel good about, like, the team and some of the matchups. And I know everyone will be like, oh, how do the Nets stop, you know, LeBron and AD? Like, how are they going to stop Kyrie and KD? You know what I mean? It's yeah. the same thing. Like, Wes Matthews? Come on. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, what? he's going to guard Kyrie? I'm Tucker, baby. Come on. I know. That, that hype is oh, yeah. crazy in, like, one preseason game. But hey, Reggie, there's, greater, there's greater hype for Taylor Horton Tucker than Reggie Perry. And Reggie Perry is going to be better. Mark my words. Okay. No, I have no I have no Draft really. analyst right here, Jack. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> now, before we end this, Nick, I wanted I, I brought this up to you, and, and Matt, you could sort of just play along with me as well. I put in like a bold prediction section. I put down four yep. bold predictions, 
And I want Matt, you to sort of say which one is likely, unlikely, could happen, no idea at all. Four of them are. Kyrie Irving uh, gets an All-NBA slot. Kevin Durant wins the MVP. Joe Harris leads the league in three-point percentage. Or Dinwiddie or Levert wins sixth man of the year. Wow. Wow. Um, They're bold. Well, David Aldridge says there's no chance that Kyrie can get All-NBA. It's going to be a bummer. I just don't know if he can stay healthy. I, yeah. I, I, that's my thing with Kyrie. I just can't see him playing enough games to even, like qualify for all NBA. And I, it's a bummer, but I just, I don't know. I, I'm more worried about him. Katie, I feel great about it's like, yeah. he's coming off the worst injury in sports. And I, I don't have, I don't think I've had one little bit of anxiety about him in the last two months. I think he's going to be great. I actually like the MVP one. I like the six man one with Spencer too. Yeah. Um, that one's pretty nice. So those two I like quite a bit. I think those could make a little bit of sense. Yeah, I thought, honestly, the last one, I think Joe Harris could lead the league in three-point percentage. Oh, again. duh, yes. <laughs> I think it, he's going to probably have more open looks. I think for him it's going to be adjusting to being that wide open. Yeah. Like, we, like, literally, he's used to a slight contest playing with Kyrie and KD. Like, he's probably going to get some wide-open shots. He's going to be like, yo, what? Do they not respect me? I'm a three-point champion. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, he uh, loves his wide-open shots, though. That guy, yeah. like... It, that's been the if you could make one small thing about his three-point shooting it's that he has to be like almost comically open to take shots like when he took one step back last year i was like we should declare this a national holiday yeah, i don't know what just happened he took the dribble and he moved the feet a little bit i'm like yes joe that's some duncan robertson bertan shit i want to see my guy the bubble joe was different from like regular season joe like oh, he, yeah. he knew he had now he now he can be a little bit more picky but any other hot takes or predictions on the season from you two? Well, we, we said the championship as well. That's the that's the big yeah. one at the end of the day. And I don't know, Nick. I guess it's probably the best way to end the pod. You love you love your percentages, Mike. I knew it. I knew it. Give me the percentages. Give me the percentage chance as of what is the today's date? It's thirteenth of December, eleven thirty-one a.m. here in Melbourne, Australia. What's the percentage that the Brooklyn Nets are the twenty twenty-one NBA champs? Larry O'B. This is literally like the hardest percentage to do. And I just had an argument with somebody because they literally told me the Clippers aren't going to win an NBA championship. And I'm like, wow, hot take right there. Like you're going against the percentages, man. I don't know, Jack. Um, I'm trying to think here. You got to add COVID to the mix too. Like, yeah. It's just like. I answer this question. I don't uh, think it looked good. Give I'll me some time 25%, one in four chance. Yeah, look, I don't think you can give anyone higher than like a one in three chance. You know, yeah. Maybe you give Lakers like a 33% chance because, but then you have to take into account the unpredictability of the season, LeBron aging, Anthony Davis. But yeah, I think one in four is maybe a little high in some respects. I don't know. You could probably go were... one in five if I broke it down this way. 20% for the Nets, 20% for the Lakers, 20% for the Bucks, 20% for the Clippers, 20% for mystery team. Yeah, maybe, maybe, and I, I would go. I don't know, fifteen. Yeah, you could, eight. you could mess with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, Matt, are you as confident as Nick? Less confident than Nick? He's less confident, but that's okay. I am less confident. <laughs> uh, all that matters is that they're over the five percent. That's what Daryl Moore always says. He goes, you know, you got to be over five percent. That's that's what we go. On. Uh, no, I would go like fifteen, ten yeah. percent. You know. They have. I. I think they can make the finals. I don't think they'd win. Um. I think that that's when, you know, you see a lot of their weaknesses exposed. 
And it is weird to have a championship contender with so far what such it, pronounced weaknesses. <laughs> or is, would it be just one roster move, whether you know it's Aaron Gordon That's or it. Mr. Player X, and that changes it from the 15 to the 25 that Nick sort of alluded to? I think that's it. And I, I have confidence based. I know this is based off of one quote, but Jack and I talked about this quote yep, and Sean yep. Mark, Mark saying that he's going to evaluate the roster and be ready to make changes if he sees like the issue. So I think he knows that there probably is a concern at the wing position and that they're going to have to upgrade it. And like, hey, they have picks like they can make moves. There's contracts they can match. And we're not talking about adding Anthony Davis or James Harden. We're talking about adding, you know, a competent four defender. You know? Can they get Jeremy Grant rescue him out of Detroit already? I heard that experiment didn't go all that well. <laughs> not great. Not great. No. Yeah, not great. But uh, anything else, guys? Uh, Look, I think that, you know, whether, like Nick sort of alluded to, I don't know, I kind of want to ask one more question. Just to, just to put a pin on it. A quick one, a quick we're, one. We've spoken about James Harden quite a bit. Does James Harden increase those percentages? Matt, Nick, yes or no? Quick yes or no? I mean, he has to. It's James Harden, of course. I don't. I, you figure it out from there. You say TLC, we're playing you at, you know, we're starting you at the the four. Like we'll figure it out. Um, so he has to. I just, I don't think he's going to the Nets. I just, I don't know. I, I yeah. think I'm like the the longer the trade takes in terms of like the later the date is, the more unsure I am. Like where Matt's right, he's a talented player, but I feel like there's a a lesser chance of it working. Like every day uh, you get closer, the chemistry yeah. and the fit becomes more of a concern. And then like, oh. How am I freaking fitting James Harden in at the trade deadline? You know what I mean? After I just played a whole season. No, no, no. And I think Matt's still right. I still think you make the trade. It's just like I think there's a, a lower floor even maybe for the team because things could get yeah. really sour and toxic. Yeah. Yeah, they're doubling down on how weird of a team they are. Yeah. <laughs> they're they like, are. You know what? Forwards, uh, we got KD. We don't need another one. We don't need a center. <laughs> James Harden. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, They're it. doubling on everything that they are. The The – the uh, scores mentality, no defense. It's 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 analytics weird like, <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, big pleasure. Excited for the season. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. And as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com and Blue Wire Pods. And like Jack mentioned, recapping every game and probably the preseason ones too. <laughs> Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.